Alright, seriously. Does this guy never go to the bank? <laughs> what are you talking about? The Wookiee man, the one that took my arms, made me have to have these little cybernetic mismatched ones. I gave him the credits, right? I gave him the counterfeit credits, which was the plan, right? He shows up in an Imperial bank, tries to turn into credits, and boom! They've got him. It's like he hasn't gone to the bank. He's just running around spending the credits all over the place and hasn't managed to get caught yet. I'm thinking I may have to do something a little drastic. Okay, like what? Maybe nudge someone in the right direction? Kind of put in an anonymous tip or something? Don't you kind of have like some outstanding things yourself that you probably don't want to bring any attention to yourself? Hello, anonymous. Uh, I mean, I just don't know how, how anonymous you're going to actually be. Like they'll be able to recognize my voice print or my image or something if I send it by a hologram. Don't worry about it. I got this. Dude, they have specific droids for just that thing. Okay, I'll send a letter. I'll send a letter. In fact, I'll make it an actual letter. I'll send it to one of the banks and I'll send it on a courier ship or something. Is that going to make you happy? Uh, you know what? Sure, let's let's see how this plays out. Enjoy your stay. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, Funny Club. Don't get excited. Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino, your destination for collecting and gaming, and we are. 247 days away from Star Wars Rogue One, and finally, we're going to actually talk about it. But first, I uh, would like to thank you for visiting our fabulous podcast, Among the Clouds. And of course, I am the administrator of this facility and your host, Michael Morris. And of course, with me is Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. So, uh, Nathan, we've not really had any sort of Rogue One thing to talk about until today. Yeah, this is true. I guess technically until yesterday, right? Because before they put out the trailer today, as of when we're recording this, they put out the preview for the trailer that lasted like two seconds yesterday. So, you know, I mean, we've had stuff to talk about for almost 48 hours now. It's <laughs> insane. Okay. Yeah, I um, I either didn't catch that or wasn't paying enough attention and don't remember. Now, what, what exactly was on that preview? The logo? And the, what I guess they're calling the Death Trooper, the Black Shadow Storm Trooper looking dude. And that was it. And people were already bitching. <laughs> oh my god, it's a new Storm Trooper! That doesn't look like the Shadow Trooper that I know. Why isn't that Storm Trooper in the other films? Continuity! Oh, I, I'm constantly amazed uh -huh. by the community's capacity for griping. And half the time I'm one of the gripers, but I'm... I don't know. There was gripes about the little preview with the one trooper, and now there's gripes about the rest of the stuff today. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay, so we can hop into that. I mean, I have to say, as far as that goes, Star Wars is always going to bring you something new. For instance, the whole, um, you know, those trooper-type dudes that we see in Rebels, the like the bluish colored ones or whatever, you know which ones I'm talking about. That they kind of look like they're based off of um, not Macquarie's 
storm uh snow trooper but uh um oh i can't think of his name now the boba fett guy you know who i'm talking about chang no 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 um i want to say robinson but that's wrong it's like uh joe johnston there we go there you go um they kind of look like they're sort of based off of joe johnston's i was thinking maybe i'm wrong on that too but point being they they kind of look like atat drivers um, it, it's like the, the helmet that Ezra has, right? The, it's like, there's the cadet helmet and there's the variation of that, that then you see with like the drivers of the swoop bikes and stuff. Like right. That. Yeah. Right. So that's think, something we've never seen before. I, like, here's an idea. The planet's freak or the galaxy's freaking huge. Like there's going to be different things and changes over the years and crap. Like, come on. Well, I just, I like the fact that people are like, I can't believe it. Why is there a new one? You're like, okay. They weren't in a snowy environment in A New Hope, so we didn't see the snowtroopers. Does that mean that they didn't exist even though they appear in The Empire Strikes Back? We didn't see a need for the scout troopers before the Battle of Endor in the original trilogy. Does that mean scout troopers can't have existed beforehand? There couldn't be other variants of them out here? Uh, I think it's something that's kind of amusing for those of us who followed Legends because there were so many different types of troopers it wasn't even funny. But there were like three or four different variants sometimes of the same concept of Trooper, just named slightly different things because one book would come up with it and then an RPG would come up with it and this other source would come up with it and then they realize, oh, we just came up with the exact same thing. We'll just call them variants of a theme. <laughs> um, uh, so we're kind of used to that. But I guess the, the, the diehard, not even canon, but like the film purists are now trying to find things to gripe about, it seems like. Right. About... The film basically how on earth could we have this type of stormtrooper helmet prior to a new hope as if somehow there's a way of looking at it and knowing evolutionary evolutionarily there you go uh which one must have come first versus second maybe they're looking at this and they thought this one was a little too blocky looking so they went with something a little more smooth and slick later or maybe it's um, totally different may like because mm-hmm. everyone's saying oh it's shadow troopers it, there may be no shadow trooperness to it at all Th- these could be space troopers well they're called death troopers apparently according to some of the uh, design stuff that has been talked about and there's those mm. there's regular stormtrooper helmets and then there's others that are kind of like yellowish that look a little different that you can also see in the trailer that's uh referred to and this is going to cause people to go nuts they're calling it right now a sand trooper which is what we've always called the leader of the stormtroopers on Tatooine that had the pauldron thing on his shoulder and whatnot so it's like whatever i just people were griping but i gotta tell you seeing that trailer today I was not this excited over the trailers for The Force Awakens. I love The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. but those trailers for that film made me go, wow, and feel all kind of nostalgic, but didn't make me go, holy Sith, as Mark might say. <laughs> Instead, this one actually had me feeling that way, had me going, whoa, this is crazy. And part of it's a personal thing, I guess. Right. Um, looking back, uh, my first forays into fan audio was back in 2002 and prior to getting into fan audio at all i was in the fan film community helping a team uh, called clear concrete productions Devin reed and them um working on a fan film called prelude to hope it was kind of the standard fan film it's light side versus dark side some lightsaber fighting and they're stealing the death star plans basically and the fan film got to a point where it was almost done and then there was a lot of stuff lost and the whole project kind of fell apart for a while 
And while they were picking up the pieces of that and eventually moving it towards a different way of trying to put it together that still never came out, um, we got to work on what we thought was going to be the script for a second fan film that could bring together a lot of other people within the fan film community at the time called Second Strike. And that didn't wind up getting made as a fan film because of everything that was happening with, um, with Prelude to Hope. So I sort of took it upon myself, me and Chris Hannell, to turn Second Strike into an audio drama. It became the first serious Star Wars fan audio drama released online ever. The thing about it, though, was that the whole point of it was that we wanted to tell a serious, dark war story in Star Wars, something that really <laughs> hadn't been done much right. up to that point. And you know, a story that really didn't have any Jedi or Sith that has one Force-sensitive character is using it kind of on anger instinct, and that's it. And when we put it out there, it was... It was the, the reaction was split. It was well received by many. There's a lot of people who said, this is too dark. Star Wars can't do this. And this is 2002. The new Jedi Order had already started, but I guess because it was aliens and there were still a lot of Jedi running around, they weren't thinking of it as dark. And then within the few years after that, we got books like Shatterpoint. And it got really dark. And I think that's a big part of the divide right now with all those Star Wars fans. I did this on a, on a vlog recently on the YouTube channel. But basically, you know how there are some people who say, well, The, the Force Awakens was the first real Star Wars film since 1983. Because they're talking about how there's like this tonal shift between sort of the more whimsical, positive, uh, mythological archetype type storytelling, hero's journey storytelling of the original trilogy and a lot of the stories written around it versus the darker, uh, more like perils of warfare tragedy that we got with the prequel era. Um, and that was right around the time that the prequels kind of brought in that darkness. And I'm wondering, now that we have a story coming with Rogue One that is particularly dark looking, it looks like it's going to be the gritty war movie, the, the kind of thing that years ago we would have said Star Wars never could have had or some people said. Is that going to be what's finally the tipping point for those who are having trouble with The Force Awakens and Disney's stewardship of the saga? Are they finally going to say, okay, I didn't like this return to an original trilogy type of feel for The Force Awakens, but now you're giving me something sort of dark, warfare, and tragic that is similar to what I got for all these years of Clone Wars stories, which was my preferred type of Star Wars story. Now I can dig it. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this more adult, darker story is received by not just fandom as a whole, but the specific segments of fandom that reacted in their particular ways to The Force Awakens. Right, right. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting. I think that what we're going to get, personally, is just more of what we got from The Force Awakens, which is pretty much everyone likes it, but you're also going to hear complaining just because it's the internet. See, I don't know. I think that there's, it's not so much for The Force Awakens. I mean, there's a, it's, it's huge, hugely acclaimed, but there's right. a pretty solid segment, albeit a minority in fandom that really disliked the film for various reasons. The parallels to A New Hope they see as being just a remake or a rehash of A New Hope instead of the whole idea of, you know, the musical refrains and whatnot, as Lucas would have put it. Um, just it, it feeling different than, say, the prequel era and so on and so on. I don't know. I right, think there's, right. I mean, there's some arguments against it out there. I don't agree with most of them. But I would argue that, you know, Rogue One, it's going to be the big test because it's a, a more adult-oriented film. And you could say sort of that Revenge of the Sith kind of was. 
it's PG-13 and it's got some dark bits. Even The Force Awakens has some dark bits, but to have it be sort of a gritty war film in Star Wars, right. I yeah, don't know. I, I'm curious if, they, are, like, are we going to have a Jurassic Park thing? If you know what I'm talking about with, with are you familiar with the Jurassic Park and kids thing? How no, they 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 about. marketed it to kids like crazy with a bunch of toys. Oh and then yeah, parents went to see it and got pissed because oh, it was yeah. not at all a movie for kids. Yeah, but that was that time, dude. I mean, there was uh, take for instance, there was the uh, Terminator. Remember Terminator Two? There was mm -hmm. all kinds of toys for that. RoboCop. Neither one of those films yeah, were for kids, especially. Yeah, yeah. RoboCop had a cartoon series, I think, didn't it? That it played into some of that possibly so, it's i mean the the early to mid basically the uh 80s into the 90s like that little 10 year span like we got a little crazy i mean for instance there was a mortal Kombat cartoon because you know that's what you want your kids into. <laughs> yeah yeah and there was a street fighter cartoon as well yeah guess. well street fighter yeah. though at least is uh, um you know there's a difference in the fighting whereas you know, ripping That's someone's true. spine out of their back. So it's whatever. It's ridiculous. Teaching, but... teaching anatomy, anatomy. Right, I would love, right. You know, I'd love to be the, the teacher trying to say, I'm going to, I'm going to show people how the, the spine works by playing Mortal Kombat X in my class. <laughs> so. Hilarious. But yeah. I mean, it, the, the film looked incredible. I mean, I've got the same woman back who was going to be in, in uh, revenge of the Sith and had the scenes cut playing Mon Mothma. Uh, I don't know Felicity Jones from nothing, but she's in. She she seems to be giving a pretty interesting performance, and I like the way they're shaping the character. Um, my only concern, of, and the trailer was fantastic. The only thing that I'm looking at the trailer and sort of scratching my head over is Forrest Whitaker. I mean, I I think he's a great actor, right? But I can't see him in that scene that they're showing in the trailer and not think, "Hey, it's Forrest Whitaker." Right. Right. Yeah. You know, but. But I, is that any worse or any more jarring than initially people seeing Natalie Portman, Ewan McGregor, Liam Neeson, uh, or Christopher Lee Samuel L. in Jackson. the prequels? You know, or Samuel L. Jackson yeah. in the prequels. So, yeah, I think Samuel L. Jackson's more the, the big one, honestly, uh, for that time frame. True. But, true. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm stoked for it, though. I'm stoked for this way more than I was for The Force Awakens. So, if I have anywhere near the positive response to this one as I did to The Force Awakens, I'm going to be thrilled to see it and we've only got eight months to wait give or take we have 247 days <laughs> to wait but you know i mean I i'm excited about it especially because like here's the thing i'm not a prequel basher but the ot is my era i mean it's always been my era it's always going to be my era right of, of the the films the the background things that i enjoy and seeing old school X-Wings, seeing the uh, old school TIE Fighters, AT-ATs, all of that stuff and everything, that's very intriguing to me. And it even kind of gets me excited about things like the, the different toys and stuff that they're going to do. Because Hasbro loves to put out the same like re, uh, repackages of figures over and over again. So it would be nice, for instance, to get the, they did the, uh, I can't remember what it was called. It was the Legacy ATAT, -AT, which now goes for like $200 plus on eBay. It's a really sweet ATAT. -AT. It's scaled to the three and three quarters figures. Um, it's, it's really, really cool. And 
it's, uh, you know, if they decided to put that back out or something like that, that could be fun. I would really like to see a lot of this stuff that we haven't been able to get in a while or, you know, even do new versions of it. So that those type of opportunities really excite me. Well, remember, I was at what, German Toy Fair or something a while back where they had their images up there promoting what to expect of like these new waves and pros and uh, uh, not waves. What's what I'm looking for? New, um, uh, I guess, product lines tying into new films and new TV series and whatnot for Star Wars. And I was intrigued because one of the things that they showed for Rogue One was Slave One, Boba Fett's Slave One, that, of course, uh, Django had, and then uh, Aura Singh was flying it with Boba for a while. It winds up crashing, and it gets taken up and used by Hondo Onaka, and then somehow winds up getting back into Boba's hands, and so on, and so on, and so on. And the idea, based on seeing that as part of the promo for Rogue One, and then not seeing it anywhere in the trailer at all, makes me sit back and wonder if that's a big reveal or a big surprise that we should expect. That it, There's this question of, okay, well, are they if they're going after the Death Star plans, it's called Rogue One, doesn't that mean that they're going to tie the creation of Rogue Squadron into the finding of the Death Star plans? And doesn't that raise the question of, why don't we see Rogue Squadron in A New Hope? Where are they? Why are they only showing up in The Empire Strikes Back? And we don't even really have confirmation that Rogue One refers to Rogue Squadron at all. Right. The one part may be the giveaway, and we we may be talking about a ship they use on the mission that's Slave One repurposed as Rogue One or something. We just don't know. Um, were were we this far out? Or maybe it's out? just the first in the Rogue Saga. Potentially, I'm just. I'm <laughs> we'll get Rogue Two next. No, I'm sorry. I have to go back and look, but I mean, at eight months out from the Force Awakens, were we this much in the dark? Yeah. I mean, I think we were, uh, because, I mean, we didn't have, well, it depends on where you were getting, if you were on makingstarwars.net, you knew that Han Solo was dead at this point, you know, they, they pretty much had, by February, they had a pretty solid outline of the entire film. Outside of that, though, no, I don't think you knew very much. Um, I mean, I think we know a little more, or we knew a little more about it than we do, just because of we had more than one trailer by that point, but not much more. Okay. I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. it feels like this one has, because of all the hoopla with The Force Awakens, and then The Force Awakens on home video, it feels like Rogue One was sort of set aside. I mean, and we got, what, a one-day notice that the trailer was coming? There was a part of me that sat back and thought that somebody in the Disney offices realized and did a facepalm. Oh, crap. We do have another Star Wars movie coming out in December. We got to put out <laughs> it's something. It's so like, soon. <laughs> we, had no, we thought we had more time. This is not the olden days where there's three years in between Star right. Wars films anymore, kiddies. Right. You know, I mean, I think that... I think that what they're doing is they're they're kind of in a in a strange situation at the moment where they used to have three years between each film, and they were able to to really give themselves time, worry about uh, create you know create a film, market the film, get the film out, then try to sell the crap out of the merchandise and the DVDs. And then you've got like another year and a half before you got to start again. 
Now they don't have that much time. And I think that Disney's like, yeah, we're just going to do our, you know, our Marvel Studios method. But what they didn't realize is that the Marvel Studios method is sort of like, you know, it's like uh, uh, like the fun size Snicker bars, right? Delicious, good, you really like them, but they don't fill you up. So you can kind of go to them more quicker. Whereas a Star Wars film is like a four course, you know, fine dining meal. And you're like, hold on, I'm still on my appetizer. Let me finish enjoying this, you know, and they're like... They're like, crap, okay, um, we need more time. So. Yeah, a year apart, even with some some overlapping pre-production on one and post-production on the other is going to make for an interesting cycle. I mean, we already saw this one bumped back. It was, yeah, it was this one that was bumped back from May to December, right? Um, right. right. So I'm kind of thinking that we're getting to a point where they're starting to realize well, no. that. No, I'm least. sorry. It was, uh, it was um, episode eight. It was episode eight that was not bad. So this one was always December. Right. And seven was the one that was initially moved back to December because they were talking about it being May. Mm, correct. Yeah. Yeah. I know it, it kind of got moved around a bit because they were trying to like, I, I know JJ was initially wanting it to um, come out in May of this year. And then they're like, no, it's going to be December and stuff like that. So I, I know that they were really playing with its dates for a little while. I don't know, we'll see. I, I think that if they stick with though something similar to what they did with Marvel, then they should be in pretty good shape. Especially if you have different creative teams and different teams of actors and actresses. Where it starts to become difficult is when they start overlapping. Like with Marvel now, I mean, you could easily be working on, uh, you know, Ant Man at the same time you're working on Age of Ultron because there's not really much crossover aside from Falcon. But right. you couldn't be necessarily doing much with Ant Man. And trying to work on Captain America Civil War, you know, or you can't be really working on Captain America Civil War and Infinity War at the same time. There's all the 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 crossovers of schedules and individuals. So I don't know. I mean, I'm happy so far with this idea of one per year, especially if it has this kind of cycle, because in a sense we had, you know, we had the buildup of a season of Rebels that was was wrapping up just in time for us to or at least uh, taking a break just in time for us to be able to get The Force Awakens, and then Rebels is able to come back and wrap up just in time for us to get the home video release of the film and get the hype and interest going again. Then we got a little bit of a break, and we'll wind up seeing the start of a new season of Rebels, and then as it starts to wind down for the end of the, the calendar year, then we'll get Rogue One, give it a few months, and the cycle just continues. It's, it's a nice, steady flow of Star Wars content, without necessarily feeling like it's an overload. Like, this isn't one film every handful of months. And that's what Marvel was doing for a while. It felt like Marvel had a little chunk there where it was just rapid fire through some of the films to make sure they could get to the different Avengers films. And now it's sort of stepped back and said, okay, we're going to have several months now in between this Marvel film and the next. And they're using, you know, the TV shows and the Netflix shows to sort of keep everybody interested and, and keep us full so to speak, to use your analogy, um, until we get to the point where, hey, guys, we're done eating ramen, <laughs> Netflix or TV. We're going out for some serious food now. Right. Avengers right. and so on. Right. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think that uh, I don't want to call Rebels ramen. <laughs> um, well, it's just it's it, it's 
a different beast. It's a different. Right. No, I hear you. Thing. I hear you. It's, it's McDonald's versus. Uh, let's call, let's call it Olive Garden. It's Olive Garden. Yeah, versus you know it's 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 pretty nice, but it's not like really fine dining. That'll work. Sure. Yeah. Plus endless breadsticks. So <laughs> the <laughs> the one thing now you mentioned the the Boba Fett thing. So I'm actually gonna. I want to change things up a little bit. I want to jump straight to our vault section. Cool. The reason I want to bring this up is you, you brought up the whole toy fair thing. James Clark, who I had on the show a few episodes back actually works for the dented helmet. So they got in contact with them to find out, you know, what was going on with that. According to them, that was just because they didn't have an image. So they're saying, okay, no, we just use an old uh, Lego image in its stead. However, there's a few things coming up here that I wanted to kind of talk about. And then, and then you can kind of infer what you want to infer. Uh, for May 4th, the Disney store is giving, a, giving away a free Disney pin or, or a Star Wars pin. If you spend, uh, it's for basically for the first four people, um, and, and I think it may even go like May 1st and May 4th. It's like a four-day window, right? And the first 50 people each day to spend a certain amount of money, it's not a terrible amount, I don't believe. It's less than $50. But the first few people to do that will get a free Star Wars pin. That Star Wars pin is of Boba Fett. Besides that, they are also, they've got coming up their prototype Elite Series Boba Fett. So it's going to be exactly like the Boba Fett that we've uh, recently got and, and um, they've reissued, but it's the, the white variant of that. Besides that, they also have their limited edition Boba Fett statue that's going to be coming out. And besides that, they also have the, um, I can't remember exactly who makes it, but it's a, a helmet. It's, it's a Stormtrooper helmet with the actual Mandalorian um, emblem kind of painted across of it. It's supposed to be sort of artistic or whatever. And besides that, they have their Boba Fett Zoom Zooms, which are the, uh, there's like three different sizes of them. All of that that they're marketing for this time. So I'm wondering if come May 4th, we may not get like a second trailer or something and there might be a Boba Fett reveal. Very possible. Or that maybe there's a Boba Fett film that they're going to announce, or, even if it's just like right. very early pre-production, kind of like the Han Solo thing where we know it's coming, but it's so far away. We're kind of like, eh. Right. Right. I don't, I don't know that any of that's the case. It may just be Boba Fett day or something for them it could I, I, just be <laughs> them going back to the well and saying hey who's somebody really cool who didn't really do enough in the trilogy to really <laughs> earn his reputation of how badass he is boba fett awesome let's yeah. churn out some product they're like oh we can go with darth maul no he's done a lot in the cartoons uh <laughs> hey it worked for phasma yeah Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> hey though i gotta say i expect more uh from phasma to come i think that like she better. Well, the thing is that I think that was a good setup. A lot of people. So can I just say, I don't like to tell people how to, how to fandom, you know, I don't want to tell people how to enjoy their Star Wars, but can I just suggest that we all calm down a little bit? Uh, like I said, it seems like everybody's like, well, with this or that or whatever with, with Phasma, 
when the trilogy's done, if pretty much she never gets above thrown in uh, the trash compactor status, okay, fine. You're totally right. I will never say anything. But, but, I honestly believe that that um, situation caused humility for her that is going to have her raining down some hell on Finn. And essentially, I think that with this film, she's going to sort of be the Boba Fett to Finn's Han Solo, where um, him defecting is, is kind of like Han owing Jabba money, right? And where that's going to catch up to him. Mm. Just, that's my thoughts. I could totally be wrong. See, I, you went a totally different direction than I thought you were going with. I thought you were going to say that at the end of episode eight, we'll have Finn holding out his blaster to Phasma as she stares at him for the entire last <laughs> minute and a half or so of the movie or something. <laughs> yeah, and that starts the new saga. There you go. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's it's all speculation. It's, it's weird to be at a point, and, and I think this also sort of applies to books and comics to some degree. It seems like there was a time when, when the Legends continuity was dominant and all, we kind of knew where things were going in a much larger time span. Now it tends to be that we're finding out things just a few months, if that, in advance, and they're really kind of holding things very close to the chest. You know, like there would right. there would have been a time where we would have known the next five or six novels that are coming, even if we don't even know what they're about or their names, we kind of know, you know, maybe who's attached to them and that sort of thing. But we really don't. It's a lot of, I don't know if it's just that Disney just doesn't plan things out that much ahead. I would hope that they do. <laughs> or maybe they're uh, they're planning it ahead, but they just don't announce as often. Maybe they have specific, I know that in Disney's case, in a few cases, they've waited until certain conventions to do their announcing. Whereas prior to that, you would just have Star Wars announcements coming at all kinds of different conventions, just where Star Wars happened to be represented. Um, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see as we get further along in the year, though, because hopefully a lot of these things that we're speculating on will be proven one way or the other because we'll get more information. Right, right. And maybe by then people who are bitching today <laughs> about, I can't believe there's another Star Wars movie coming that has a brunette white lady at the helm. I'm like, one, where have you been <laughs> on Rogue One? Duh. Um, but two, oh, so we're really doing that. And I've seen more people, more people on Facebook, and this boggles my mind, who are much more angry at the fact not that this time it's another leading lady, a leading character who's a woman who's white, which you would think would be the thing as, as racially screwed up as half the conversations on social media are these days. But no, they are much more concerned, oh, she's brunette, <laughs> just like Ray. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Oh, right. now, <sighs> now, do you think they would have preferred a redhead or a blonde? I, I don't. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's I'm Star Wars. Curious. It could be anything. It could be purple right. hair, you know, right. blue hair. Right. I just, I, yes, because purple or blue hair would be great for a, uh, um, a spy mission. <laughs> you won't get noticed at all. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, you know, uh, We'll we'll get more to come on that, but I know we we've talked about the uh, the the Blu-ray home video releases quite a bit, but we haven't had them in hand. So mm -hmm. I thought we may want to make a couple little notes or comments now that we have them in hand. 
Sure. Yeah, I now have, not counting digital, I now have nine copies of The Force Awakens. <laughs> um, thanks to four of the different releases being Blu-ray DVD combo packs, which are two each, basically. Um, yeah, they are in our hands at this point. So we've been able to confirm a few things. I actually did, uh, if you go on YouTube, it's from the Star Wars Home Video Library, episode number 69, uh, which is The Force Awakens, and I go through all the different U.S. releases. Um, so the lithographs from the pre-order from Disney Store, those are in hand now. They look pretty neat. They're, I mean, there's not really anything special about the images. I don't know why they chose so much Takodana for the images, but, I mean, they're nice. Uh, certainly nicer than those three little mini poster pieces of cardboard that you get in the pre-order digital package. That BB-8 uh, sleeve, though, is really, really pretty. Yeah, people think that every time I show that, people think that it's a poster of BB-8. I'm like, right. no, nah, dude, it's a folder. You open it up and the lithographs are inside it. Right. Um, let's see. The confusion that existed for a while about the cover of the regular Blu-ray and regular DVD release. Okay. has finally been cleared up. There were some sites that were showing this Black Starfield cover for the Blu-ray DVD digital combo pack, which we'll just call the Blu-ray package, um, that had just the logo of the film on it, and other sites were showing it in a black Blu-ray case that had the poster image on it. Turns right. out they're both correct. Right. The, the image that just has the logo is the slipcase cardboard thing that goes over it. Underneath is a cover with the poster image for the Blu-ray. Uh, for the DVD, it's just the poster image cover, and it's just the DVD disc. No bonus features or anything, because those aren't on the DVD disc. Um, the Walmart special version that has the BB-8 cover, the BB-8 cover is just a cardboard slipcase. You take it off, it is the exact same packaging underneath. I gotta say, though, that's my favorite of the, the covers now. Actually looking at them all, because even though it's just the slipcase... It is a little more than that in that, uh, first off, I think it looks really nice, the the little image of BB-8, but mm -hmm. there's a little piece of Velcro um, mm -hmm. uh, under BB-8. You flip it open, and it actually has the the, the cast on Jakku. Yep. Um, I thought that was really cool. I uh, That's the one I would have actually preferred to have had there been no content differences. Right. Uh, and that's, of course, the one also, the Walmart one, that has that connections disc in it. And that's got people up in arms because people didn't bother to do their research on what is a connections disc. C-O-N-N-E-X-I-O-N-S. Not connections with a C-T, but connections with an X. Didn't bother to look, so people are buying it thinking there's another disc of content in it when there's not. A connections disc is that little pog-looking hexagonal Thing from that Walmart exclusive game that most people don't give a crap about. Um, but if you are getting it for the Connections disc, know that it looks like it's any random one from Series 2 with, that just happens to have a red border, which is all that makes it special. It has no connection to The Force Awakens at all. Mine was Agen Kolar. What's he got to do with The Force Awakens? Now, does it, uh, does it, is it just red or does it have glitter to it? It's like a red kind of star feel glittery okay, thing, which right, is interesting right. because if you actually flip around the uh, the little instruction booklet thing that comes with it, 
Right. It says this one is a special blah blah blah. It says this is a special blue star field. Yeah, they didn't even change the documentation <laughs> from the when they changed right. it from blue to red because blue is what they use for their other promos for the blue right. star field. And and that's see that's the thing that I have frustration about. Like that there's my problem is that they have because there's 75 different ones in the second set, which means that if you wanted to get them all, you would have to buy 75 copies of The Force Awakens and never get a, a duplicate. Assuming that they did do all 75 this way, because they've never said how many out of Series 2 they've taken and done the red Starfield border thing to even put in with The Force Awakens. You would think it's all of them, though. Because if Egan Kolar's one, right. they obviously didn't narrow it down by the film. Uh, but this, I think, as ridiculous as that is, I think that that's something where even a collector would look at it and say, yeah, screw you, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. As opposed to what they did with Lego Star Wars Droid Tales recently. Also with a Tops pack-in, by the way, they packed in these little packs of three trading cards and said, you know, collect all nine cards. So basically you had to, if you were a Topps card collector, you'd have to purchase the Lego Star Wars Droid Tales product repeatedly to try to get all nine cards, which were thankfully packaged in sets of three. So it was more like getting three different packets as opposed to hunting down nine that were just entirely random. But that I could see someone saying, it's only three times or maybe four or maybe five or maybe six. Maybe, and it's cheap enough as opposed to trying to get all, you know, 70 some odd or whatever it is of the of the discs. I think with the discs, it'd be screw it. I'm not even going to bother with the cards. I think it's even worse because it's just enough within the realm of possibility that you could pull it off that people right. might actually try it. But then again, I've been wrong before. I know people who are trying to get all 100 plus different variant covers for Star Wars number one from Marvel. So oh, that's nothing, dude. That's, uh, you want to talk about variant, at least those, to me, that there is a collectability to those, right? It's, uh, different, different covers and like completely different by different artists. So, okay, fine. However, (laughs) uh, DC did maybe about a year or two ago when they had relaunched their Justice League of America book. They had their standard cover, which was the Iwo Jima raising the flag, but with the Justice League. And there were also variants for every single state, also for Washington, D.C., and for um, Puerto Rico. And it was the exact same. The artist did uh, each of the covers. It's the exact same image they just superimposed a different flag on each one. I get, I got your beat. Okay. When Star Wars number one by Brian Wood came out, Star Wars volume two from Dark Horse came out. Okay. Dynamic Forces had extremely expensive supposed variants that weren't even really variant covers. The difference was that Alex Ross signed the cover in a different color pen. And right. that's what made them different variants of each other. But how many were there, though? There was a limited number, hence the high price tag. Right. But there was, like, gold and silver oh, no, and I, regular. And 
I mean, how many variants? Because there there were fifty two different variants of oh, no, for that for this that one, one the yeah. number of variants was right. low. It's just what they were doing to call to call it a variant for Star Wars number right. one from Marvel. There was a hundred plus, uh, the bulk of which. Look, when you need a hardback trade paperback, so to speak, type of collection to put out that's nothing but your covers in a collected edition, you got too damn many covers. <laughs> See, I, I disagree. As, as a huge comic collector, I, I love the idea of that. I actually want to pick that up. But like I said, to, to me, there's a well, big I difference. I picked up the cover book, right? but I right. can't imagine somebody trying to hunt down all these individual variants, especially since some of them are specific to, in fact, a lot, quite a few of them are specific to individual comic shops. Well, yeah, and like as opposed to loot even crate like and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's or GameStop, and I mean, right. I don't know. It, suffice to say, mm -hmm. collectors, we always are going to get screwed on something because of the double dipping, triple dipping, multiple variants. There's the the products are bringing in more profit for the company by having multiple versions for those who actually do want to pick up all of them. But in particular, it's giving more choice to the consumer. And I'm always for more choice for the consumer. But if you're a completist, you're going to be hit pretty hard. Like me, I I couldn't just grab a copy of The Force Awakens to kind of bring it back to The Force Awakens. Um, I had to... Okay, I got the regular one with the lithographs coming from Disney Store. Okay, I've got the digital pre-order limited edition thingy with the little posters. Okay, okay, that's cool, that's cool. Um, I'm going to go to Walmart at midnight, and I'll get these two, and I'm going to go to Best Buy and Target the next morning, and I may sleep when? Yeah. Yeah, it becomes kind of a mess, and <laughs> you know, at least in the home video case, unless you're trying to get all the different connections, discs, pogs, basically, <laughs> um, at least the number was less than 10. Basically, this time there's like yeah. five physical products right, to pick up right. for The Force Awakens. Um, so we hit Walmart. Um, we've hit the regular. The other variants, uh, you have the Steelbook from Best Buy, which has no exclusive content or anything. It's just a Steelbook case. But the Steelbook doesn't match the Steelbooks released in November for the other films. The spine doesn't match. The style of the front doesn't match. The style of the logo doesn't match. The style of the back doesn't match. The only thing that matches is that when you open it up and take the discs out, there's a full-sized image going across both. Um, so there's a lot of consternation out there that, you know, granted it's 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment in one case and Disney Lucasfilm in the other case, but that maybe Disney Lucasfilm should have at least thought about doing something meant to match the previous releases if they are going to be doing a Steelbook within like five months of having just seen Star Wars releases in Steelbook. Um, so the Steelbooks are kind of a mixed reaction so far. And then you get the Target one. And the Target one's getting a lot of flack because the Target packaging turns out is cardboard. Yeah, I uh, for this I wanted to queue up. What a piece of junk. See, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of how flimsy it feels because it's cardboard and it's not going to look quite the same as other releases. But I've seen cardboard packages like this before, like, for instance, on the uh, Clone Wars Season 2 screener that I've got. And this is a lot sturdier than that one was. You get the same issue of how you put the discs in and out through cardboard like you would in the Complete Saga set from 2011. But I like the fact that, that the fact that it folds out in his cardboard has all, a lot of different images that they're able to put in the packaging, which is kind of cool. I love the look of the front of the packaging. And this is the only one that provides you with any exclusive content whatsoever. But again, that's where the controversy lies. 
because when you redeem the content, the only way to watch the two featurettes, we thought it was one, it's actually two, the two featurettes, the Armory and the Scavenger and the Stormtrooper, um, is to redeem it and go on Disney Movies Anywhere and watch it. So not only is it streaming only, which we kind of expected for the Target bonus, the Target exclusive bonus features, because that tends to be the way Target does it with their exclusive bonus features, um, but it's also exclusive to one platform, Disney Movies Anywhere. Though if you connect that and sync it up with your other accounts, it doesn't matter what you redeem it for. You can always go to Disney Movies Anywhere and see it, but you couldn't, for instance, pull up those featurettes uh, with your digital copy with Amazon Prime or uh, iTunes or whatever. You have to go to Disney Movies Anywhere to see it, which is rubbing people the wrong way. I still think, though, that even with the screwy packaging and the weird Disney Movies Anywhere way of getting it, this is probably my favorite of the oh, different really? releases of The Force Awakens. There was actually a Star Wars Report meetup and we all went to the Target at Atlantic Station, and uh, we being Bruce, Riley, Bethany, uh, Kevin Reitzel, and then there were some listeners that uh, showed up, and we all went and got our uh, got our copy of it, and pretty much all of us, I'd say basically all of us were like, this is ridiculous. In fact, Riley then chose not to buy it, and then went to Walmart to buy the uh, the Walmart one. Wow. Yeah. BB-8 instead. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, on the one hand, the packaging is not going to be for everybody. Again, I don't like the way it looks mm. on my shelf with the rest of it, but I'm kind of used to having weird packaging, so it's not that big of a deal. I think back to the earliest VHS of Star Wars, you get everything from the little bottom-loading VHS tapes to ones that are more like drawers that pull out that are much wider than we think of as VHS cases. Okay. Uh, we got laser discs with the little obies on the side from Japan, whatever. Uh, for me, it's about the content. Right. Yeah, I agree with you as, on that. As much, yeah. as, as much as I'd say, yeah, usually to target exclusive bonus features, because usually they're kind of afterthoughts. These are really good. The one about the weapons is pretty good. Right. The one with Boyega and Ridley just talking about their experiences is awesome. I mean, those two... And they kind of pop off the screen anyway because they're very charismatic. But it's yeah. a terrific video. And it ends with what wound up making its way online with the rap of the two of them right, uh, as, right. it as it sort of fades out to black. Um, for once, I think this time the Target exclusive bonus features actually are worth picking up that version of a film instead of it just being, yeah, whatever. Which is using my reaction to streaming only Target bonus features. Well, so there, there's a couple of things I want to say on that. So one, yeah, I do totally agree with you. I did enjoy both of those. Uh, I think I was a little more keen to the Armory, though. I liked the, the whole rap segment. But uh, I think just because I'd already seen that online. Uh, but I, I really liked the Armory one. But that's that's always my thing. Like, that stuff really intrigues me. However, I did check the... Because I couldn't figure out for sure. I, I'm like, I want to see these extra 22 minutes. I bought this crappy edition of the film, so I want to see the the footage to make sure it's worth it, right? It wasn't like super, um, it wasn't just like, hey, he, here are the specific ones. They, they actually show up under my movies, I think, or something like that, um, in the, uh, the my Disney, or Disney Infinity. It, it'll, show, it'll show up in two places. It'll show up in your regular bonus features. 
Okay. Uh, up near the top, which is the same place that the little legacy feature shows up. For those who pre-ordered the digital version, you get the little legacy feature. Although in most places you could watch it without actually pre-ordering it anyway. Um, or it'll show up under my movies along with the legacy featurette on the main screen when you first log in to your collection on Disney movies anywhere. The, right. the other bonus features are only available through going to the movie itself. These have two places you can find them. Okay. Yeah. So, so that was a little uh, difficult for me to, to discover at first. And then once I did, I checked the time. How, how long did they say, how much extra footage did they say or how many, uh, I'm minutes. honestly not sure. It's, it's about 20 because it's like eight minutes and some seconds yeah. on one and it's about 11 something or 12 something on the other. So it's about 20 minutes of extra content. Yeah. Well, it's I was thinking it come up to about 18, maybe 19. And it uh, said tw- I could have sworn maybe I'm just making stuff up and, and stirring controversy for no reason. But I could have sworn it said over 22 minutes or something like that. And I'm like, hey. Where's my extra two minutes? <laughs> Makes me wonder if Legacy perhaps gets unlocked in that also for those who didn't do the digital pre-order thing. But it's hard to say because it's already you know, unlocked as soon as I did the previous pre-order. Well, it, be able it, to tell. is Legacy in your my movies? I believe so. Okay, it was not in mine. I only had those two features in, my, uh, in that section for Disney Infinity Anywhere. Why do I keep calling it Disney Infinity Anywhere? Um... Disney Infinity Anywhere. Take your toys <laughs> anywhere. Just don't take it on Apple TV because they're not going to bother. We're me. not doing that no more. So, <laughs> Disney Movies Anywhere. But, yeah, it's... Okay, it's not that bad. I've really, really enjoyed... I've watched almost all of the special features. I have not seen all of the Secrets of the Force Awakens. I haven't watched all of that yet. I think that's the big one. The one that kind of takes up a little more of the time. Mm-hmm, about like an hour ten almost. Right, and I have not watched the blueprint of a battle, or or maybe I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. I had to read the description there. I did not read the, or I did not watch the John Williams Seventh Sympathy Seventh si- <laughs> Seventh Sympathy. I can't use words it's, today. It's Seven. okay. We all go through it sometimes. <laughs> seventh Symphony. Uh, or the ILM Visual Magic of the Force. So those are the those are the you ones. You watch like the deleted scenes and half of everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, which okay, deleted scenes though. Got to get into that funniest thing. I can't believe no one ha- has like jumped on making a meme of this or whatever. But uh, what makes him supreme? Oh, is that is that when they're in the Takodana tunnel? Yeah, and they're confronted the by the stormtroopers. Like Supreme uh, Leader Snoke wants him, and he right. goes, "What makes him so supreme?" <laughs> You know, you know, olives and all that other stuff. Oh, that was so good. Um, I hate that that was cut. I think that there are elements of the deleted scenes that would have been nice to see. Like, I would have kind of liked to have still seen that snow chase, the snow speeder chase, because it shows up in the novels. It explains why briefly you see Ray with Finn's jacket on or Poe's jacket on, and then it winds up back on Finn again. Um, That would have been kind of neat to see, and maybe even seeing... Uh, Kylo Ren go aboard the Millennium Falcon and realize that Han Solo was there because it helps explain his lack of surprise when confronted by Han later. But then there are some that I'm also like, yeah, I'm kind of glad this wasn't there. Like the one with the news from Jakku. Well, it's kind of cool that we see how the Resistance knows, oh, BB-8's carrying it. We don't know what happened to Poe. 
But it also briefly introduces Leia way before her more grandiose entrance right. when she does show up on Take Adana, which is more meaningful. What I found of the deleted scenes that got me, though, was what wasn't there. Stuff that I expected I, to be there that must not have been shot. Yes. Yeah, you were... <laughs> that was about to lead into that as well. Right. Because the thing is, obviously, there's got to be more of, for instance, that Takadana scene uh, for how they get out from being captured by those stormtroopers. Clearly, there's more to that than just that little bit. So... Well, I was thinking I was thinking in terms of, of more of what we got in the novels. Like, the conversations, the expanded conversations between Snoke and... Uh, Kylo Ren, right, and that we learn more about their background and his thought process, or seeing how Poe manages to survive and get back to the Resistance, which seems to be done in just one scene in the book, but may not ever have been shot, especially because we learn as we're watching the featurettes that uh, Poe was actually supposed to have died, like actually have died, and Oscar Isaac really wanted to come back later in the movie and possibly be in more films, and they're like, yeah, sure, why not? Come on, come right. on. You can come in, but you got to give this loving look to, to Finn so that everybody <laughs> can think something now. Right, um, right. But that was very early on. That was back during mm -hmm. uh, like casting that they had actually decided yeah. to change that. So that, that was very, very early. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's... Like I said, I, I, I like them or, pretty good. Or give us give us some scenes with Leia's, I think, what's her name, Corsella, Leia's aide. Oh, God, no, I don't want it. I don't. Who's, who's on, but she's on Hosnian Prime. They make it a point of showing her and showing the Chancellor before the destruction, and we don't know who this woman is. If you're watching in the theater, it's, it's basically going, it's, wow, they fired, they fired. Oh, no, where's the camera going? Where's the camera going? Oh, oh, there's a black woman. Huh. Star Wars has some diversity. Boom! <laughs> and they blow um, it up. Well, it's like, see, no, she's not there for diversity's sake. She's there because she's Leia's aide. Right, but right. we don't ever get a scene with her as the aide because that all happens prior to Leia showing up. So I, I would assume that's a scene that, if it was filmed, would have gone together with that, you know, Jakku uh, news scene that does show up as a deleted scene. So I'm wondering if maybe we're going to get kind of like what happened with the original trilogy in that... There are some scenes we had seen before, but there will be other deleted scenes, or with the prequels, uh, other deleted scenes on a future release right. of an even more complete version um, <laughs> somewhere along the line. Because they, I mean, surely this wasn't all the deleted scenes that existed. What we got is nice, but I don't think the, the deleted scene section was as robust as people thought it was going to be. I expected a lot more people going, oh my God, deleted this, deleted that. And it's just like most people kind of watched it and went, okay. Cool. Right. What's next? Yeah, it's like I said, I, I liked them and, and I thought it was kind of interesting and going, oh, you know, like you said, I would have really enjoyed seeing the uh, Kylo on the Millennium Falcon uh, scene in there. In fact, I actually saw a really funny, it wasn't so much a meme as like a comic made up of it where it's like, oh, this is my dad's uh, crappy ship where he used to uh, fly with a stupid Wookiee and always do his stoop or whatever. And he's like, and he's like I hate my dad. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny to me. Nice, and, then, and it's perfect there with that uh that that southern accent you just affected there. Oh, did I? Sometimes Star Wars or an episode of Cops. <laughs> right, but it's fine. I I enjoyed them for what they were. I don't, you know, I don't want to see more. I especially don't want to see that scene that you're talking about with Leia because I I really disliked the idea of Leia sending her in her stead because she would if she showed up then she would be killed i'm like 
Yeah, and wait, she's wait. more of a, a lightning rod. Actually, yeah. actually, that's hold on. I need I need a Nathan's. That's not Leia for that. That's not Leia. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's there just, you go. it's not. I mean it, I Leia would not send someone else because she would eat something that didn't agree with her. I'm like bullcrap. Leia would never do that. So yeah, I'm glad maybe. that it it didn't show up in the, now, the film. I will say the the one big disappointment for me in the bonus features, and I really like the bonus features that they have here. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a nice selection, a nice broad swath of things. They were certainly, it, it felt more watchable than trying to watch all the bonus features on some of the previous home video releases that we've seen. They just sort of felt like they were well put together, not overlong, just enough to get you what you wanted to see, not overly short, just well put together, with one exception. Which one did I find way too short, you think? Ooh, way too short. Hold on, let me let me grab my way too short. As grab in, my little should have baby. shown us something about as long as the movie itself, but instead showed us something for four freaking minutes. Ooh, so I'm gonna probably go with the table read. Yes. Yeah. They they hype up the fact that one of the features or featurettes is a featurette on the table read, and instead of getting to see the table read, we get a couple clips from the table read, and mostly them talking about the experience of doing the table read. I would pay good money <laughs> for just a Blu-ray of the table read. Right. Because that'd be freaking awesome. Well, they but I think no. they thought it was going to be kind of boring, because they, they even mentioned there that they were worried about losing their jobs because their their acting was not as great at the table read and stuff like that. Oh, but, um, but we're going to show clips from their screen tests, but not the table read. Dude, yeah, but that Daisy Ridley screen test was awesome. True, but I'm just saying, I mean, it's kind of one of those, I mean, you take it for what it is. Of course... The table read's not going to be as good as the finished thing. It's their first time reading it together. <laughs> yeah, I actually, uh, I, I talked when, because Daisy actually, she talks in one of these features about, she's like, oh, I got there, you know, and I had no idea. Like, I'd never been on a movie set before, so I didn't know how movies were made. And I'm like, and now you're starring in the, like, the biggest film of all time. I hate people like you. <laughs> and I say that facetiously, but, you know, she's just like, Oh, I you know I didn't even know things about movies, and here I am, and like that, the star that, of the biggest. I gotta be honest, that kind of has me kind of taken aback a little bit because she's done television before, right, right, and she's done some films, albeit short films, generally before. I mean, her career apparently, if you just look at the Wikipedia, Wikipedia at Wikipedia <laughs> filmography, try again. Um, I mean, her career started apparently in 2013, and she very quickly wound up on the Star Wars project to actually start filming it to, to come out in 2015. But it's not like she was entirely new, like completely new to this. Right, right. So, I don't know. I don't have anything more on that unless you do. No, just um, if you want to go out and pick them up, any of them would get you basically all the same things. The only thing that I would caution is if you are like me and you're picking up multiple copies and you're hoping to be able to redeem multiple digital codes to be able to get a whole bunch of Disney movie reward points to buy stuff like the poster pack that my wife and I have gotten now twice to put on our walls. Um, Just bear in mind, it will only accept Disney movie rewards codes as uh, things to actually give you points. 100, I think it is, for the DVD, 150 for the Blu-ray DVD combo pack, if it treats it as unique content. So... A digital pre-order is treated as unique. The target version is treated as unique. The DVD code that doesn't actually give you a digital copy of the movie 
is unique. But the Walmart, Best Buy, and regular Blu-ray DVD combo pack codes are treated as the same thing. So if you have all three of those, like I do, you can only redeem that code once. The other two are going to be completely useless to you. Good to know. So the next thing, there's not a whole lot for it yet, but we have the Degeric table. And so Rebellion, we talked about that that came out. Have you gotten yours in and gotten to look at it? I have, and I've got a chance. I haven't had a chance to do a play test of it, but I've had a chance to look at all the components, read through the rules. I actually recorded a video of all the components that's not edited yet, but by the time this episode of the podcast is out, it it should be up on my YouTube channel. Uh, we'll give the, the place to find the YouTube channel at the end of the show, of course. But it looks pretty cool. It's the idea that you've got these 30-some-odd different systems, and you will. it, it all revolves around leaders, these 12, 13-ish leaders for each side, and a leader will allow you to carry out missions, a leader will allow you to move troops, uh, either ground forces or space forces, to carry out certain actions and whatnot, and the rebel's job is to gain enough influence and, and uh, reputation, loyalty, within the galaxy for these individual systems that they're able to cause an uprising against the Empire. And that's their end game, that's their winning condition. Whereas for the Empire, it's them hunting down from system to system to figure out which one is the hidden rebel base. And the rebels basically pull a probe droid card with a planet on it at the beginning and sit it off to the side that represents their base. And the Empire is doing certain things that aside from just going to a system to look, they can do things that cause them to draw a probe droid card. And everyone they pull, since there's one per system, they know, well, this can't be where the base is because... I've just pulled it. It's not the one sitting over there face down by the rebel side. Uh, it's got a really nice selection of miniatures. There's uh, over 150 some odd miniatures in it. Um, all of varying sizes. They're not scaled or anything like that. But you've got a whole bunch of TIE fighters and and stormtroopers and little rebel soldiers and X-wings and uh, some executors. you got uh, uh, two Death Stars that are fully built and one in construction, so you can use certain missions that let you build a Death Star for the Empire before it gets blown up by missions for the Rebels. Um, the Rebel side has some Mon Calamari frigates. Um, and all in all, for a $100 package, it's a pretty solid product, and you can get it much cheaper in places like Miniature Market and Cool Stuff Inc. and whatnot. But the fact that this one's 100 bucks and it's just this game... You don't have to buy expansions for it like the $100 you might have spent on Imperial Assault and then buy expansions for that. Uh, I would say it's a great place for people who want to get into Star Wars gaming and kind of play a little with miniatures and get a feel for that type of thing um, could jump in. But it does not seem like it would be a fast game at all. This seems like a multi-hour game. And the game board is freaking gigantic. It comes in two pieces that you got to slide together. Right. Um, a regular card table, like what I have, uh, is not going to be able to fit the game board. It's going to be hanging off the edges. So you really need a big play surface. You basically need like the kind of play surface you would need for Armada to play Rebellion. That's the one big drawback is the friggin' size of the thing. Right. It's cool. I mean, like I said, I think we, we'll have more to talk about with that uh, as we go along. But, hey, you remember how we were all like, what's going on with the role-playing game? I don't know. I don't. The, the future seems bleak. Um, just heard some uh, interesting little thing. It wasn't even like an official announcement, but Claudia Gray at, uh, let's see, was it Salt Lake Comic Con was the previous comic? Or, yeah, yeah, so Salt Lake Comic Con, 
she mentioned there that um, Fane or Cyana won. She she said one of them, like she wasn't sure which one it was, and that one of them would actually show up in the role playing game because they were asking, "Oh, are you going to do a sequel for that book, or you know, are we going to get more of those characters?" And so that was her response. Now, I don't know if that means the role play, you know, the fantasy flight role playing game. And then if it does, which module, I would assume that if it was the fantasy flight one, it would be under the, uh, the age of rebellion one, but maybe they mean the, uh, I know that there, there's a sort of a turn based style game for the, um, like, like an app game or a mobile game. So maybe it means that, I'm not really sure. I can pretty much the only thing that I can really uh, hedge my bets on is that it's not for Kotor, right? Or, or for Tor. Swotor. Yeah, yeah. Swit- whichever Switor? one. Swit- Swit- the Old Republic. Republic. There we go. I should have just said that. It's not a Bioware thing, <laughs> right? Um, and that's cool. I like the idea that we're going to see them again, but I wouldn't take too much out of it because I think about the way that a lot of characters and previous situations and ships and whatnot are referenced in the RPG. At this point, at least the Fantasy Flight Games one, and there's not much to them. It's not like they have entire missions to them or anything like that. It's just, here's a quick profile in case you want to throw them in the game. You know, so it's neat that they may be dipping into the well to grab them, kind of like they have with a lot of the Rebels characters, but not sure where they would be. Then again, I've got a few guidebooks that I'm sitting on right now that I'm trying to slowly work my way through that I haven't had a chance to get all the way through yet. They could actually be in like special modifications or nexus of power and i just haven't run across them yet right. i doubt it though I, i'm assuming that if she said soon or that it, they would be that that means in the future and it's well, not just that she's not aware that something that used the characters has been released i would assume once it's released somebody would have mentioned it to her well maybe it's, i think that could really go either way she did not seem like she was very up on <laughs> what it was talking about because like I said she didn't even specifically know which character and she didn't specify which game you know she didn't even speci- specify the platform so I don't know if it's when she says role-playing game I don't know if she means like an online RPG uh, mm-hmm. mobile game or the actual fantasy flight role-playing I mean like I don't well, know if my experience is any indication there is very little communication about previously created content showing up. I'm surprised that she would know that a character is even showing up in the RPG. When I, when my comic pack or my comic story that I wrote for Star Wars Tales in 2004, that was reprinted as a trade paperback in 2006, <laughs> when it in 2009 got a toy pack that came with Kyle Katarn and the Yuzhan Vong figure, the comic pack from Hasbro, I had right. to find out by somebody seeing it I believe in Star Wars Insider and pointing it out to me or something or, or seeing it um, on their end and mentioning it to me. There was never any official word that came through Dark Horse or Lucasfilm or the previous editor I worked with or anybody to say, hey, <laughs> your comic is actually being reprinted and you're getting action figures. It was complete silence. So <laughs> I would not be surprised. I mean, you're basically a hired gun when you're hired in to write something and then – Unless you're coming in to write something else, you're kind of set back adrift again. You know, it's just it's it's not nearly as tight knit as you would think that it would be, even for those who are writing frequently. It seems like um, 
unless you're really kind of being brought in for multiple projects at once and then you're sort of still in the inner circle, so to speak, not by virtue of being officially part of the story group or being that inner circle, but you have so many things going on that when one ends, there's still one going on, so you're still having that kind of contact. Right, right. So, I don't know. I guess maybe we'll find out at some point or not. Character focus? Yes. Who are you? Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. I'm Ahsoka. I am C-3PO Human Cycle Relations. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Adam Rader responded to us that the character he would like us to discuss is Aunt Beru. So how do you feel about that, Nate? I'm... I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's 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 Aunt Baru. Uh, I will say that I enjoy discussing Aunt Baru for one primary reason. Okay. And that is that I am a home video dude. Right. And for Star Wars home video, one of the weird things, looking back at some of the really, really early stuff, is Aunt Baru. Uh, obviously played by Bonnie, uh, is it PC or Parisi? How you say it? Um, in Revenge of the Sith but played by Sheila Frazier back in A New Hope. And all of the home video releases that we got, uh, whether it's VHS, the Hi-Fi Remastered, VHS in 84, or if we're talking about you know CED, Betamax, Laserdisc, eventually the Definitive Collection, redoing the audio again with THX, and so on and so on, pretty much all the releases that we've seen have used the stereo track from A New Hope. But when A New Hope was in theaters, there was a stereo track version and a mono track version. And the mono track version was different in some cases. For instance, in the stereo track, you've got uh, Blast It, Biggs, Where Are You? Because, you know, apparently Luke is being attacked by a TIE fighter. Wedge says he's coming to help, but Luke is like, where's Biggs? Man, you were my buddy. Why don't you have my back? He's worried about where Biggs is when Wedge is the one who's supposed to be coming to help him. Um, you know, before the wedge shoots in at the TIE fighter and flies through it. Well, in the mono track, it's blast it wedge. Where are you? What he says has no undertone of you were my buddy, you know, all this childhood friendship stuff with Biggs. It's just, hey, you said you were coming. Where are you? What's up? <laughs> that is also where you get the uh, missing C-3PO line. If you're familiar with Star Wars home video way, way early on, the line where C-3PO explains how you can take out the uh, tractor beam in A New Hope is missing because it wasn't in the stereo version in theaters, but it was in the mono mix. So until the 1984 uh, audio remix that added that line back in, I think it disappeared again somewhere along the way and had to be added back in again. But in those very first couple of home video releases, they just like they, they just stopped talking. Everybody's just kind of staring at the screens like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Staring very intently like Luke at the end of The Force Awakens and nobody's saying a word and trying to explain how the, the tractor beam works. But Baru is probably the single most pronounced difference in the stereo and mono tracks because Sheila Frazier gave a very, I don't know what's, not a weak performance, a softer performance of the voice work for the mono track. And apparently they at some point wanted her to come in and do redubs of all of her lines and she did and it's those redubbed versions that you hear in all the stereo mixes and the final version of the film to this day but her first take was used on the mono track right so 
there's a significant difference in the the sound of her voice. It's it's to the point where her her tone is so different. Some people don't even think it's Sheila Frazier, even though it was doing both of the audio tracks. So for a home video guy, Baru is a cool topic. Right. That's about all that makes it cool. Well, it's still a cool topic. There's a little bit more. There was actually a deleted scene that was of her, which is I I think it's kind of neat. I'm I'm don't think it had any place in the. Uh, in the actual film, but of her in the kitchen making dinner. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of neat because you see you actually get to see the inside of that kitchen and and how much that they put into it to never be seen whatsoever. Um, but besides that, it's just her just making stuff and walking around and everything. But from I wish that there was a deleted scene where she and uh, and Owen are sitting around, maybe even with Obi Wan there, and they're arguing. You can't seriously say that we should keep his last name Skywalker while he's here. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> right. Why did you come to us? You know he's Owen's stepbrother, right? Are you crazy? Right. She also had her scene cut again in the Attack of the Clones. The the scene with her and uh, Padme talking. It's kind of funny, too, when really thinking about it. Like Aunt Beru and then, of course, you know Uncle, Uncle Owen both appeared in three of the six... Uh, Star Wars saga, you know the the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, and their death music showed up a couple of times. That's true. You too. Notice, it's that it's that. Oh my God, they're dead! It's their skeletons. They're on fire! I want to come with you to Alderaan. Right? It's, it's Luke's snap decision moment. Um, like, it's the same is... music that's used when Ray uh, beats Kylo Ren in the tug of war for the lightsaber and we see her activated. It's probably my favorite music cue in The Force Awakens because it's basically a reuse of music we knew before with a different emotional context. Yes, I, I loved that moment. So it's that's a good way to kind of tie that You in. love that moment? Are you talking about when Ray gets a saber or are you a sadist and you love seeing the charred remains of the Larses? I'll let the listener figure it out. <laughs> um... So besides that, with I mean, I don't think we have a whole lot more that we can really talk about other than, you know, her name was White Sun before it was uh it was uh Lars. And in fact that actually comes from because as we know, George throws nothing away. Um initially or at one point he had uh Owen's name was actually Kleeg Lar or no Kleeg White Sun. And so, of course, when the the film comes around, she is her maiden name is White Sun, and Kleeg is Owen's dad. And you can, of course, see those early versions with a lot of the the namesakes and whatnot in Dark Horse Comics's The Star Wars, which was recently re released in the Infinity's Epic Collection. I think is what they're calling it, the hardback Marvel reprinting of. Uh, Infinity's A New Hope, Infinity's The Empire Strikes Back, Infinity's Return of the Jedi, and The Star Wars, all in one giant, I was going to say budget package, but kind of expensive package, <laughs> given the price comparison to the old omnibus editions from Dark Wars. Now, besides that, there did you know there's actually been quite a few Aunt Beru action figures? Yes, I do know that, though not because I collect them, but because I enjoy the books. On collecting, so I've got the Ultimate Action Figure Collection by Steve Sansweet, and it points out the 1999 Power of the Force 2 flashback figure, which is Baru as she was in A New Hope, and then in 2009 there's the Attack of the Clones, uh, the Legacy Collection Blue version, 
which is the younger version of her from Attack of the Clones uh, as well. Uh, oddly enough, exactly a decade apart, 1999 and 2009. Right. And the funny thing, they both come with pictures. Blue milk, baby. She's always pouring that blue milk. So it's like, all right. I guess, um, but yeah. Imagine she if they changed it in canon now, and the blue milk was somehow something weird, like it was drugged, or it was from some kind of weird animal that we haven't ever heard of. Like, is it from like a, a nerf who's been getting growth hormones or something? Or do, do the Larses eat organic? <sighs> Could you do that on Tatooine and not starve to death and so on? I thought it was Bantha's milk. Am I making that up? Or <laughs> I don't even remember. I could have swore that's what it was. Hold on, I, I'm looking this up now because I'm. I know that's a thing. Yeah, it's from female banthas. Although the fact that Wikipedia points out that it's from female banthas and not male banthas <laughs> makes me sit back and say, "Wait a second. <laughs> the male banthas produce male yellow milk. Get out of the way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They they produce yellow and sometimes red milk. So. All right, that's uh, there you go, Adam. That's uh, there's your Aunt Beru discussion. I think that's all we can really milk out of that one. <laughs> one last thing I would note there for Beru, poor Beru and Owen, they were getting lied to in the new canon, thanks to the I think it's called the it's been a while since I've seen it, uh, the princess, the scoundrel, and the farm boy. That new adaptation of A New Hope that was done in kind of a weird fashion. Right. Um, it appears that Luke already sent his Academy uh, registration application before the conversation in the film in which he talks about how he wants to submit it. You know, I've been thinking that, you know, if these droids work out. I'd like to submit my registration to the Academy this year. He's asking basically forgiveness rather than permission because he's <laughs> apparently already done it. So poor Baru being lied to. And then burnt to a crisp. That ain't right. That's that's what I expect from our hero. He was <laughs> just going to Tachi Station to pick up some power converters. Well, what what if power converters were actually something like more necessary? And everyone's like, God, he's so whiny. It's like, yeah, but that's like his epilepsy medicine. And Bruce just or uh, Owen's just a dick. He's like, I don't care if you <laughs> foam at the mouth on the thinking- floor. I was thinking power converters was the tattooing version of hookers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So our April 1st contest deadline has passed, and this is the first episode we've recorded since then. So we were going to, uh, I guess not raffle off, but select someone for uh, anyone who had emailed us for the uh, Ray's survival guide that uh, Jason Fry was kind enough to uh, give to us to, to give out, and he actually even signed it with a cool little note. So I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel to select our winner now. And our winner is... Not your eardrums. <laughs> Seth Boyum. So Seth... Send us an email with your mailing address, and we will get that out to you. Sweet. Congratulations. Anything else? That will do it for this edition of Cloud City Casino. But don't feel too bad, because you can still get a hold of us in the meantime. 
by going and giving us a review. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the only way you can do it. <laughs> you can you can actually get a hold of us through our uh, email, which is cloudcitycasino at gmail, or tweet us at cloudcitycasino, or find us on the Cloud City Casino Facebook page. And we're pretty good about getting back to you on there. Um, not Not like within the minute, but within a couple of hours at least. And then, of course, we're always at uh, thestarwarsreport.com. But seriously, though, love for you to actually subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And if you would go on whichever one of those that you use, especially if it's iTunes, and give us a written review, that helps us out a ton. Uh, I've been looking, guys. You're still not doing it. Nate is beside himself. He's... He's really freaking out about it, thinking that, you know, he doesn't know what what it is he's done wrong, that you won't give him a five-star written review. I don't know, man. The last one up there talks about how great Bruce was, man. <laughs> you know, and nobody's, no, I'm like, they just stopped. I don't know what's up with that. So, you, you see, you've gone and made Nathan upset. Yes, I am beside myself yeah well but anyway you can find me at morris isley on on the twitter and then nate where are the array of places that you can be found well you can find star wars beyond the films right there alongside cloud city casino over at starwarsreport.com along with the final episode that has now been released of the star wars reports rebels roundtable we are done that show is over with but i may be moving some of my thoughts on rebels over to the vlog perhaps since i won't really have an outlet for that, now that Rebels Roundtable is over. But uh, speaking of the vlog, you can find my Star Wars vlog, the voice of reason or lack thereof, you can find from the Star Wars Home Video Library, which has a more recent episode about the different Force Awakens releases, if you want to see those, or videos about the Fantasy Flight Games products, and so on and so on and so on, over at youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio, C-H-R-O-N-O radio, all as one word. And, of course, you can find uh, more about me, NathanPButler.com or StarWarsFanWorks.com if you're looking for some of the older stuff. The Star Wars Timeline goal is, of course, at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash timeline. I think that's all of it. I got a lot of places. I need to probably <laughs> bring it all together under yet another domain name or something. But no. Thanks again, scoundrels. And always remember... Let the Wookiee win. And give him counterfeit credits and call in a tip. I thought you were going to send it an anonymous letter. Whatever. <laughs> oh, you're so boned.
that uh, I will probably be moving some of my thoughts on. God damn it! <laughs> Fuck you! Okay. I hope you didn't actually answer it that way. Also, with the tops package in, by the way, um, tops packaged in these little. Why does Cortana keep thinking I'm talking to her? <laughs> I don't like everyone's like the little thing will just pop up and Cortana's listening for what I'm saying. I'm like, no, Cortana, bad Cortana, <laughs> go away. Um, yeah, purse grubbing pukes, and this is uh, the penalty. So you know, <laughs> that's a really good. I have a few moments still in my head. That's that's a really good uh, Roth imperson impersonation. So. This party's over. <laughs>